the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm the captain of my ship. I'm the one who determines my life. Ever hear that before? I know. It goes directly against the grain of Scripture, as we'll see next. There are those who would claim I am the captain of my ship, all the while God is in heaven saying, you're nothing but a lump of clay. I'm the potter and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And we bristle at that, don't we? But you see, the reason we do so is because we're not quite sure God is all good. And that is where the rubber meets the road. We have to trust in the goodness of God to rest in His sovereign authority. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Join us, Romans 9, verses 1 through 29, as we take a look at what the potter can do with the clay. God is not the invention of human beings. He is not some Near Easter invention of idolaters. He is the revealed God from heaven. There's none like him. None does business the way he does. He's different from all other gods. This is the way he operates. He's different. Now he says, first of all, who are you, man, to talk back to God? You know what it reminds me of? Did you ever have one of your two-year-old children have a debate with you about your decision? That that was fun days. I, I used to get amazed at trying to explain to my children. And my grandchildren drive me batty. For me to explain to them what I'm doing, what I'm doing is explanation. What are you doing, Grandpa? Can't you see? What, what are you doing? I try to be merciful, but I'm not. Don't you see? I'm raking, or I'm doing the dishes, or I'm doing the housework for Grandma. I'm carrying the heavy end of the load. Can't you see? Can't you see? Explaining more. This is a very hostile audience, too. There's more women than men, I can tell. Uh, so then he asked him another question. He's he Socrates here. I'll, I'll answer your question with a question. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, why did you make me like this? Uh, maybe you ought to, if mom and dad are alive, says, I don't like the way I look, Mom, Dad. It's your fault. Why did you make me this ugly? Or I wish I would have had brown eyes to the blue eyes. Or I wish I would have been... Did you ever have that argument with your parents? Why did you make me like this? And God is saying, uh, shall the product argue with the producer? Shall the art argue with the artist? So the thing formed, argue with that. I mean, the logic of it is overwhelming. I mean, how about you folks? Uh, You you know, it's like raising children. Let's go on that. Uh, Did you get to raise your children the way you wanted to? 
Was it the best way? Everybody's in prayer. <laughs> you know, I used to, uh, I, I used to, you know, hear my mother say, "Well, we'll raise ours the way we want." Her, but you get all kinds of advice when you start your family on how to raise your kids. You, did anyone have any of that input? Unsolicited. You don't respect that child enough. You don't do this. You ought to do that. It says, we fathered them. We'll raise them the way we want. Now, you all said that because you just looked that way. I know you did. I didn't have children for you to raise them for me. I didn't have children for the board to raise. I raised them. That's part of the privilege of parenthood. Now, I really claim them if the product turns out good. I've never seen on a bumper sticker, my student was a straight F student. I always want to ask, do they have any of their kids in their family failing? It's always, my son was an honor student. Or, my son just got out of prison. No, no, we only advertise success. Do you remain the parent if the child is Down syndrome? Are they precious? John 9, there's a boy blind from birth, and they said, either the parents of this boy sin, that you can't be in this bad a shape and not have sin. Jesus said, neither, but that I might show the glory of God in healing him. None of us. It's scary. Just, you got to look at yourself. Why weren't you born in Siberia? Why weren't you born under Stalin? Why weren't you born in so many different places? Why were you born with running water? Why were you able to drink water without animal feces in it and die of cholera and dysentery? Why, what makes you so privileged? Who determined where you were born? Did you have a say about it? No. No. Who determined it? What? God? You mean God's into that stuff? It seems to be. Uh, shall the thing formed say to him who formed it, does God create people? Does he work in the womb? And yeah, I think he does. And I'm being sarcastic because I know. Why did you make me like this? That's not like a teenager fit. I don't like the way I am. Well, there's no second time. You're stuck. Other question, does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? And you think of Jeremiah 18, he goes down to the potter's house. He sees the clay on the potter's wheel and he noticed that the clay was not yielding. Maybe it had a, uh, a pebble in it. And as the potter's hands feel it and it's going around, he could feel that pebble or some resistance. He has to break down the uh, clay again, start all over to remake it. But you know what? What that clay comes out to be is solely in the power of the potter, right? And then he goes on to describe the potter's design. And he says he makes two kinds of vessels, vessels of wrath and vessels of mercy. Now, in a uh, Near Eastern pottery shop, 
they made vessels. Uh, they, they used all kinds of vessels. They didn't have running water as a whole. So they had uh, uh, what we'd call chamber pots. They had pots for wastewater that came from dishes and washing feet because water was so precious. You didn't just throw it out. So they had those. They would last maybe a month, and then they would form a slime on them. It was made out of cheap ostrica, very cheap mud, but it gave a container, but they'd only last a month. Then, if you have a family of any means, you would have vessels made of silver, bronze, copper, and uh, if you were really wealthy, gold. But as a whole, the common peasantry just lived off of clay pots. And he's using that common analogy. And he says, now God is the great potter of the universe, has made two kinds of vessels. He's made vessels of wrath, and they, like Pharaoh. And these vessels, he sows his wrath, his righteous anger against sin, He makes his power known as he did in the Exodus. He told Pharaoh, I'm going to show my power in your stubbornness because I'm going to show great and mighty plagues and power. Uh, I'm going to get glory through you, Pharaoh. Stubborn or not, I'm going to get glory through you. He goes on, "And, and they've been prepared for destruction. That is, their end is to be destroyed. And then he makes another kind of vessel. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? Even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles and I don't want to go any further on that. So God is free to make any kind of vessel he wants. Um, I want to ask you this. What kind of vessel are you? Are there any vessels here now that if you were to die, you know that your end in judgment before God would bring destruction? And these teachings could drive you to despair or to total resignation. He's laying down these. Was Paul an evangelist or on a seminary staff debating philosophy? Do you think any of us here have ever evangelized as much as Paul? Any of you travel all over Asia Minor? Now, do you think he's just spouting this off because his rabbinic mind just wanted to pick an argument and debate something? No, he's explaining his ministry. He's explaining results. I have to say this. Uh, I tried to evangelize for seven years one time. Uh, and, and I was lousy at it. You cannot imagine how defeating it is when you preach and you're billed as an evangelist and nobody gets saved. It's not too good on the resume. All the pastors find out. Don't have this guy. No one comes. Every night his wife comes. She's the only one I had to count. Carolyn says, do I have to come forward one more night? Yeah, you've got to. You've got to make it look good. <laughs> and I talked to the pastor's wife into coming. And then it looked a little bit better. Not quite. 
Have you ever tried to evangelize and start a meeting that says, uh, this week we want 50 saved? I, I did a revival in Sacramento one time, and the pastor said, we start on a Sunday, he said, we want 50 saved. And when I took a Sunday afternoon nap, this dear pastor started canvassing the neighborhood. Incredible advances, driven, driven, still doing it. Sin Wong, great Chinese evangelist. And I'll tell you what was hard on me. I, I bore all the blame for people not getting saved. And I didn't have the power to get them saved. You know what this theology does for me? It humbles me. I take credit for no one being saved. I, I'm very reluctant. I led them to the Lord. I say, all I would say is, I was privileged to be the midwife when they were born. I didn't create the pregnancy. I catch them sometimes. Boom. Sisters in the, and they'd be saying, man, pastor, you're such a soul winner. No, I'm not. The only soul winner there is, is God. He's the only one that can win a soul. He's the only one that turns you and me into vessels of mercy. And so just think, left to ourselves, children of wrath by birth, Ephesians 2, Titus 3, God in mercy in time, his mercy. You know what he said in uh, Romans 2, 4? God's wrath never leads people to God, though I came to God because I was scared to death of hell. He says it's God's kindness that leads you to repentance. Mercy is what saves. When you hear this gospel, the righteous God of the universe who can choose to leave you alone, who can choose to make you more stubborn than you are, who can leave you to your choice and your stubborn heart, this God, this God, no other God, has crucified his own son by his own predetermined counsel, Acts 2.23. He, yes, he predestined his own son's death. He purposed his son's death. Don't worry about the sinner. Let's talk about Christ. Nobody's got more invested in turning you from hell to heaven than God. And he sends out evangelists. He sends out preachers. Sends out missionaries. He's been doing it for 2,000 years. And Isaiah said, I stood all day with my arms outstretched to a stubborn people. And they wouldn't come. Try to hold your arm out all day. You can't do it for five minutes probably. But God said, I said, come, come. But let me say this. This is hard on us. But hear it. When all is said and done... When we see God, we will not see a frustrated God. He will say, I was not willing for all to be lost. With the fall and rebellion of man, the whole race was doomed, and I refused to leave it in its lostness. And I chose to pick out of motives consistent with me without violating their will, making them willing to come. I have saved literally millions and millions and millions of former enemies and turned them into sons and daughters of God. And it's all for my glory. And even those who rejected me, I've gotten glory through my power. I'll just demonstrate my power. I'll demonstrate I'm a holy God. I'm demonstrating that uh, I can judge in wrath everything opposed to me. And it will only heighten those vessels of mercy that I've saved. 
I um, ask God this morning. I always pray early in the morning and ask him for what I want him to do in you as though I know. And I asked, I said, one thing, Lord, don't let anyone get so lost in this theology that it does not beget humble adoration that God had mercy on you. That you're not in God's family because you were just born in a Christian home and you're the right color, the right side of the street. Why did you get exposed to the gospel? Why weren't you born where they never heard? On and on and on and on. My lands, I heard the gospel at least a thousand times before my stubborn heart believed. Surrounded by the gospel. My folks singing, funerals, my sister, my dad, my mom. Come on, why did I have to be born in a Christian home? Let me be raised in a hell-raising home where nobody cares how late I stay out. Nobody cares how much I drink. Nobody cares how I run these neighborhoods. But no, I had a dad stand at the door. Where have you been? Where have you been? And then try to go to bed after I've been out stealing with guys like we used to steal a lot in San Pablo. You don't have a lot of money. It's easy to be a thief. We would be out stealing. I'd come home some nights, get in bed about 11, 11.30. Curfew was 12. And so many nights on a Saturday night, I could hear my sister praying. And then, why does God put a praying sister next door to a thief? You don't need to hear your sister praying when you're stealing. And I could hear her over there praying for a Sunday school class that she taught the next morning. And praying for her brothers and sisters. And you ought to hear... You ought to hear your name called out in prayer when you've just went out and stole things. Well, the wonderful things God did for me, I never knew it until years afterwards. But when I was having troubles with my oldest girl in her teen years in high school, that I have a basement where I study. And uh, as I get older and the voice goes, I don't yell as much in prayer, but I used to pray loud and long. And I used to walk and pray. I used to weep and pray a lot. And my daughter told me one day, she said, what you didn't know, Dad, was that the heat vents, it was as though you were in our bedroom. And we heard our name being called out. I could hear you praying for me, Dad. I knew what you were saying to God about me. Have any of you ever been surrounded with mercy people? There were God's messengers of mercy to turn you to Christ. So you didn't come to Christ because you've got a great will and your will is a lot freer and a lot smarter and a lot better than the guy that never wants Christ. It was mercy found you. Mercy surrounded you with people, no doubt, that showed you the gospel or you saw it in a mom, a dad, a preacher, a sermon. Did you, anyone ever hear of Max Licato? Max Licato went away from God. He was disillusioned with Christianity. Left God. Went to work in the oil fields of Texas. And he said he worked the midnight to eight in the morning shift out in those oil fields. And he said sometimes in the winter in Texas, you can't believe when a blue northerner comes through that country, how cold and miserable it could be. And he said, when it got cold and miserable in the oil fields, I'd get in an old pickup 
truck and I'd t- look on the radio, try to pick up anything that bring a radio station down in the southern part of Texas. And he said, one night, God, in the middle of the night, on the midnight shift, put a preacher on the radio that I've never met, never heard of again, and he preached me back to Christ. Mercy. Mercy. I would, I would this much. Don't let what you don't know about God keep you from worshiping what you know. I know this much. I don't know everybody he's going to choose. You know what I can't get over yet? He chose me. Now, I know you think you had it coming. I know I didn't. I have to say, there's nothing like the thrill. Then I'm done. I'm, not, I'm just going to stop, but I'm not done. There's nothing like the thrill of being picked when you don't think you deserve it. My brother David's seven years older than me. You could see it in the aging of his uh, face. He's just ancient looking. And uh, he, uh, when we were in the projects in South Richmond, he was such a great athlete. And he was older. He always played with the older guys in ball. We played a lot of sandlot ball every night. And man, I was in the fourth grade. Uh, just been out of braces. A couple, I was no athlete. I was just a crippled kid learning to walk and do things. But every evening, we'd pick up teams. And he wishes I wasn't even there. I was an embarrassment. Because I'd be, David, David. Because he'd always be a captain. David, you can't see me. And, and he would torture. He, he'd pick everybody. If he could, he would not pick me. It's created great bitterness. And he, he would... You know, and, and if the count went down that I wasn't in it, you know, you got 11 guys for the team. If it went down, if he could arrange it, I'd be on the other team because he knew this was like a non-plus over there. He's not going to catch anything. But it would be something when I was picked. How I would tell my mother, whether we won or lost, I'd tell my mom, I was picked for the team. They chose me. And I have to say this, no matter where I go or do in life, the greatest thing in all the world that ever happened to me and my family, and I remember the first time I ever told my dad this truth, Dad, I found out today, but it was a bunch of Baptists, and you know how mixed up they are. I'm going to Baptist schools, and we're Pentecostals. I said, Dad, I just heard today that God chose us before the foundation of the world. And I was hoping he'd keep paying my tuition because we didn't believe that stuff. And I said, he showed, the teacher showed me right there in Ephesians. And I said, I was afraid to share it with you. I don't want you to be mad. But here it is. I'm reading the verse before the foundation of the world. You were chosen in Christ. I said, Dad, what should we do? This is what he did. Let's see if I can do it. He bowed his head. He said, there. I said, here. My mother, there. This after we got rid of a few kids. Hazel, here. And so he just bowed his head. He, he couldn't talk. Then my mother, who's the world's last theologian, she's just a farm girl with about a fifth grade education. She didn't know theology. All of a sudden, she's crying. I said, what's going on? Now look at Hazel. Oh, man, is she stubborn. She's crying. And I thought, what is it? 
Finally, the head of the house, my dad said, it's too wonderful to take in. It's too wonderful to take in. And I ask you this, if he's chosen you, please be humbly grateful. It ought to kill our pride. It ought to create the most humble people in the world when I had no more merit than anyone else he picked me through no merit of my own and so as he picked you to be a royal generation a priesthood that would show off his praises forever and this is truth for today with pastor phil howard Questions, comments about the program, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by giving us a call, 855-833-9864. If you've got a question for Pastor Phil, you can use your smartphone. The Voice Memo app on that smartphone is a great way to reach out to us with your questions, praise reports, and comments. Simply record your question, who you are, where you're calling from, and then email it to us, tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, that's tftquestions at valleybible.org. And again, as always, you'll find more information about Truth For Today at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. Now, Truth For Today is a listener-supported ministry. We have friends and family members who have come alongside to financially support the ministry to ensure that it continues on this radio station. Would you be a part of that family, that friendship? We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us again. You can securely donate at truthfortodayradio.org or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.